right, come on, week three of Unshakable Faith. Who's ready? Okay, a few of you, that's all right. I'm Pastor Josh, I'm the pastor here, and on behalf of my wife Jessica and the rest of our team, just want to say we're so glad that you joined us today. If you're watching online, so glad to have you. If you're on Facebook, you can use the chat section, uh, leave your comments, interactions, help me preach a sermon today. Uh, We'd just love to have you be a part of that. If you're in the additional seating room today, just want to say what's up to you, hanging out with us today as well, but so looking forward to today's uh, sermon and uh, and message. But before we we jump into that, I want to uh, just pray. And, uh, and ask God to speak to us. So let's do that. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful uh, for your word and your ways. Lord, we ask that as we hear this word, Lord, it not just be talk, uh, but God, we, we want your word, your word, which is alive. Lord, we want it to, to be alive in us. And so we ask that you use it to make us better. Lord, even correct us. Lord, whatever your word is set out to accomplish today, God, we say we're willing. In Jesus' name, amen. So week three, we've, we've been a couple weeks into it. I encourage you to jump back into the other series uh, if you haven't heard of the past couple weeks sermons yet. But uh, this is week three, and uh, I want to talk specifically uh, about how we can have a mindset of faith. Setting our mind, the scripture calls us to setting our mind on things above. Uh, we talk about in this video here that it's possible to be shook through all these current events and all the different things that are going on and all the different things we see and we're involved in, it's, it's pretty easy to get shook. But one of the things that separates us as believers is this thing called faith. We get to walk by faith. And the scripture says, not by sight, meaning you can keep going. You can keep moving forward in what God has for you, even when you can't see what it looks like. Even when you don't know what the outcome is going to be, we can still walk in a confidence. And so uh, this is a benefit that we have as believers. And so last couple of weeks, we kind of dove into that. But today I want to talk again specifically on our mind, our thought life. You know, I've been in ministry 20 years full time and uh, started out as a youth pastor and, and all bunch of different things up until now. Uh, and back in the day, you didn't really speak so finite about all of these different mind games uh, that we're dealing with in the times that we're living. You know, back in the day, you would set out to preach on some of the fundamentals. You know, you'd talk, of course, on faith and worship and, you know, reading your word, all these things. And then we would talk about fear. That would be like the thing, hey, we're going to help people who are struggling with fear. Uh, but now there are so many different layers to the things that try to mess with our mind or these mind games. We, we see uh, so many different people battling with anxiety, uh, anxiety and anxious thoughts. Or uh, it's something in schools that you might not have ever even heard about 20 years ago was teenagers dealing with suicidal thoughts. And now you have specific counselors in every school helping all age ranges with suicidal thoughts. And uh, I got an email from Zeeland. Uh, There was a car crash. Uh, Unfortunately, a young man lost his life, uh, I think, last week. And the bottom portion of the email was all of the tools to help process and and uh, and be able to speak out to somebody. And and your mental health is a big part of it. And and so we heard about that. And now you have depression and oppression. And there's all of these finite layers that come into the mind games that we battle. And we get to think about, like, why is that? You know, why are we living in such a a place where these mind games are so big? And the reality is we are living in an hour. The scripture says that in the last days we will see or we will be facing seducing spirits, these spirits that are going to try to come against us and deceive us and and work against us. And and I believe uh, that we're living in an hour where we are facing that like we never have before. You know, the scripture says that uh, we serve a God who is not the author of confusion which means the author of confusion is our enemy. 
which we believe that the scripture says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm one of those pastors who still believes there's a devil. I still believe that there's a Satan and he hates you and wants to destroy you. Anybody got to agree with me? And so we have this, this, this person who is the author. He works in confusion. How interesting is it that one of our key words that we see in culture now is this word confusion, gender confusion, sexual identity confusion. I believe in these last days, if we're seeing the days of, 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 the, of Jesus and his approach, I see that the enemy, this author of confusion, he's trying to get people confused. How many of you are, are going through events and you're, you're living this life that we're blessed to live in in this hour and you just sit down at your desk at the end of the day and say, I'm just so confused by all this. I'm so confused by all this. Well, that's how the enemy is working right now because he might not be able to take you out through something big an addiction or some type of lifestyle thing that might take you out. But if he can get our thought life wrong, if he can get our minds off of Christ, if he can get us to stop renewing our minds, as scripture calls us to, if he can get us confused and missing what God has for us with no clarity, he can take us out. Can I get an amen? Amen. So we're going to talk a little bit about having this mind of Christ, being renewing our mind, making sure our thought life is one that is in Christ. I wrote it down like this, a mindset is not just random thoughts. Our thought life and and having a mindset is just not random thoughts. To have a mindset means that we're setting our minds on something specific. It's important for us to be a people. We're going to read about it here in scripture. It's important for us to make sure that we're people who are setting our minds on things that matter. Uh, Our thought life is more than feelings. It's more than a mood. It's even more than an attitude. Our thought life ends up being the intention of our life. We need to be so specific about the things that we're allowing ourselves to think on and process because they become the intentions of our life. The reality about your thought life is your thought life should be a thermometer, should not be a thermometer. It should be the thermostat. Let me explain it to you like this. Your thought life doesn't need to work like a thermometer. You shouldn't walk into environment and the first thought that comes to your mind, oh, it's it's cold and I'm not talking about real cold. I'm talking about you walk into the first thought that your thermometer mind has is the one that's truth. No, no, our thought life needs to be like a thermostat. You can walk into the situation and go, oh, I need to adjust this mindset a little bit here. I need to turn it up. I need to turn it down. You need to be a people who are controlling the thoughts that we're having so that we can live the way that God called us to. Amen. I wrote it down like this. Where your mind goes, your life follows. We got to be so conscious and we'll look at what scripture says about that. We got to be so conscious about where our mind is going and where we're letting it go. You know, the old saying that says, oh, my mind was racing. You know, racing is something that's speed and it's covering great distance. We got to be careful to not let our mind race away from the things of God and the thoughts of God. There's the old saying that says what you see is what you get. And so that's the reality of our thought life. If we allow our thought lives to project what we think we're seeing is going on and and what we think and what we're observing, what you see is what you're eventually going to have. And again, that's why scripture says you want to walk in unshakable faith. You want to walk the way God called you to. You're going to have to be a people who set your thought life on the things of God and the things above. That's why Philippians 4, 8 says it this way. It says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, because there can be untrue things. Whatever things are righteous, there can be unrighteous things. 
Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, it says meditate on these things. You got to find the things that God is doing in your life. You got to find the places that God's hand on your life. You got to find the scripture and the things that you got to set your mind on. The scripture says meditate on those those things. The book of Joshua says you take the book of the law, you take his scripture, and he uses the same word. You meditate on it day and night. You turn it over. You turn it over. Why? Because it helps your thought life be on the the truth of God. The word meditate here. This is a really cute word. Uh, This word meditate here is the same thing as a cow chewing its cud. And so for a city slicker who doesn't even know what I'm talking about, if you ever walk up to a cow and you see how it's just constantly chewing, it has hay or it has grass and it just keeps milling it and turning it and chewing it and chewing it. And then when it's done chewing it, it keeps chewing it, keeps chewing it, chewing it. That's what the scripture is saying. It says, take God's word and take these things that are worthy of us to think on, these things that are pure, these things that are good, and just keep chewing and chewing and thinking and thinking. Can I get an amen from anybody but Andrew today? <laughs> All right. We got to be thinking on these things because if we don't, then we start thinking about all the other things and then we start falling away from the things that God wants us to think on. So we have to set our mind on the things of God. I'll say this in the beginning before I move too much in. I don't want this sermon to come off as, oh, are you struggling with mental health? Oh, are you having a hard time in your thought life? You just need more faith. That's not what we're trying to do here today. If you're struggling in your thought life and and, and you're having mental health issues, my encouragement to you is seek professional help. God said it's not good that man be alone. And so it's not good that you walk through your struggle by yourself. That's why we have people that can help. Can I get amen? We have a prayer room. People that would love to pray with you. My mother-in-law back there, she's a counselor. She would love to talk to you forever and ever and ever and ever and never leave. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. She's in the back back there. But go see somebody and let's get some help and let's work it out in a professional way. Amen. And so let's do that. So back to the brain. We're talking about our thought life. There was a study in 2005. There was a brain study done. You're going to think I'm making this up just to make up a stat, but it was done by the National Science Foundation. Sounds made up, right? But go look them up. You'll find this study. They did a study of your brain. The average human being has a thought, has either somewhere between 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts a day. And I know many of you are probably on the 12,000 side. You don't think very much. Some of you are on the other side, but let's just pick a middle. Let's just say 40,000 thoughts. Let's say the average human has 40,000 thoughts. They say in their research, they found that 80% Of those 40,000 thoughts in a day, 80% of those are negative thinking thoughts. Negative thinking thoughts. So majority of your thoughts are negative because reality, we already know that because we live in a fallen world because it's easier for us as human beings to fall toward the negative or the dark. Because of sin in the fallen world, it's easier for us to slip toward. That's why the scripture sent us a savior. He didn't send us a leadership guru to give us good talks. God sent us someone who could save us from ourselves, save us from the way that we naturally lean toward negativity and darkness and things that cause. And so he sent us someone who could save us. Well, how does he save us? Part of the way he saves us is he helps us live a life with our mindset on him. Can I get an amen? And so of these 80 
percent negative thoughts. They say 95% of our negative thoughts are actually repetitive thoughts from days before. So what that means is as human beings, you play the broken record again and again. You have 80% negative thoughts. And then on a continual basis, you replay that, you replay that, you replay that. And so what we're saying here is we're saying naturally because of the fallen world, we are people who tend to fall toward the negative and negative repetitively. What do we need? We need somebody who can teach us a way out of it. And that's what the scripture gives us by saying, you got to set your mind on things above. There's even the way we were created. Uh, I've used this example before, but the creator of this microphone, if we wanted to know the most about this microphone, uh, we wouldn't start asking people around. And now there's some people who know a lot about this microphone. Daniel probably knows more than I do about it. I mostly just spit in mine all day and then put it back. <laughs> Daniel would know more about how it works. And certainly if we went back to the tech team, Doug could give you a very lengthy explanation <laughs> of how it works. But there are people who know more. So if you wanted to know the most about it, you would go to its creator. Oh, let me tell you how this functions properly. I created it and made it to do this. And then this does this. And then this does this. So our minds, this is amazing. Our creator made our minds with this thing called brain waves. And these brain waves, after you have thoughts and you have more frequent thoughts, these brain waves make like pathways. And the more thoughts that you have, or the more reoccurring thoughts you have, these pathways become the more easy thing to go down versus something else. And so these pathways are formed. They become the more common way that you think. God created us to be people who can create pathways. He just wanted us to be able to set these pathways on the mind, on the things above. Are you with me? So there's these pathways. Our creator knows best and says, hey, make sure you're setting. Even Paul's writing, as we just read, and said, make sure your pathways are going towards things that are righteous and noble and worthy of making a pathway about. Can I get amen? I'm going to tell you a terrible parenting story, and my wife was not involved in this. This is all on me, okay? It happened yesterday. Uh, Terrible parenting. You can judge me for this. I, I completely accept all of this. But uh, yesterday morning, uh, I took our three kids. We have a nine-year-old girl. Uh, We have a six-year-old, going to be seven in just a couple weeks, boy. And then we have our fun one, our three-year-old daughter. And I said, we just got a a couple uh, new puppies. We got these little golden retriever puppies. And so I said, oh, let's take them downstairs. We'll play with them. We'll do all this kind of stuff. And uh, my daughter, the youngest, is very uh, needy for my attention. Just, she's an empty bucket. You can never fill it. Okay. And, uh, and so she was on the couch and we were down on the ground in the way that our couch works. It's like here, but then there's a bunch of space behind it that you can play. And so she's on that couch and, uh, she's got her Cinderella Barbie doll. And she says to me to get my attention, Hey dad, catch. And she whips Cinderella and it hits my son right in the back of his head, just smashes him in the back of the head. Now, we haven't really figured out where he gets this from yet, but my son has a really hard time controlling his mouth. He like has the ability to run on and use his words in aggressive ways and things like that. And so we're still trying to figure out about where he's getting that. But he has a list of words he can't use. And it's really more of like a book of words. Um, And so when he got hit in the back of the head, he chose to use some of these words. And I said, buddy, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. That was an accident. She didn't mean to do that. You know, she was just trying to throw me Cinderella. And, and, it, and she said, rah, rah, and he's in Tasmanian devil. And so he got his technology taken away. 
So, bud, uh, no, you, you know, that was an accident. You handle that right. You know, you can't say those words. You know, you know, we got to do this. This is where it gets bad. So later in the day, this is my parenting fail. So later in the day, he comes to me, he says, dad, I have an idea. Um, I can fix my self-control. You know, I, I can do it this time. Here's what we should do. <laughs> we should go back downstairs and set this all up again and let Callie throw the Barbie at me again. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, he wants me to let her chuck the Barbie at his head again. All right, let's go downstairs. We're going to do it again. <laughs> sure. Sounds like real wisdom. But in my mind, I'm thinking, there's no way she's going to be able to hit him in the head again. She's three. This isn't, you know, it's like she's going to try, and then I'm going to be like, okay, bud. All right, let's go through the practice of this time you're going to turn around and say, I know it was an accident. It's not your fault. And so we go downstairs, and we set it all up again. He's like, okay. And I'm not kidding you, she threw a heater. And it smacked him right in the back of the head again. And I was like, first like, whoa, good job. And then I was like, oh. And I was like, holding my breath. Because his brainwave totally forgot what we were setting out to do. He went down that preformed, the easy brainwave pattern. But he caught himself. He, was like, he said, ow. And I was like, oh. And then he, then he turned around and he said, Callie, it was an accident. <laughs> and I'm thinking, it's not an accident. We planned this. <laughs> so, so if we ever hold a parenting class, don't come to it. It's not worth it. It's not going to be beneficial. But he was trying to remap. We were trying to remap this natural, easy tendency. And God says that we can do that. God says that we can do that. There's a lot of ways that we can say, oh, this is what I'm feeling. But if I set my mind on Christ over here, if I, if I go to his word, if I put on some worship, if I, if I seek him in this, I can get out of that old pattern and, and I can reset myself on him. Can I get amen? Yeah. We do it in the natural world. You can actually experience this in the natural world, just in regular life things. Have you ever done something and then later you said, oh, I needed that? took a vacation, went to the lake, or you went golf and you got back and you said you were once all tense and stressed and you went into a thing. You came out and said, oh, I really needed that. What happened is you jumped that brainwave over to another and you said, okay, I'm going to get it. And God wants to be able to give that and do that for us every day when we seek him. Can I get amen? amen. John chapter eight, verse 32. This is interesting about the truth. It says, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Do you know that the truth by itself doesn't set anybody free? It says that we got to know the truth. What is it to know the truth? That to know the truth means you have to, it has to be known in your life, it has to be applied, has to be active. There's truth that you can access all over the place. But until you apply these truths in your life, until you know, know them in your head, know them in your mind, know them in your thought life, you won't experience the freedom that God has called you to. I thought about it like this. Many people at the beginning of the year, oh, it's going to be a new year, a new me, a new this. And uh, just because the calendar flipped doesn't mean it's a new them. Well, no, I got some new workout gear and I got some new things until a mindset got changed. Until they, they reset the way that they thought about their habits and their lifestyles. Until there was renewal, there was no change. We have got to be open to change. The hard part is change is hard. It's hard to change. There's nothing fun about changing and shifting and moving into the new. We struggle with that as humans. But the reality is if you miss your shift, you stall. 
uh, if you came out to our motocross track and, and raced dirt bikes with us, there'd be one thing that the boys and I, we do is uh, if anyone stalls their dirt bike, they really get razzed. They get a really hard time because it's really a clunky kind of embarrassing thing when you're trying to race and you miss your shift and it causes your bike to stall. Uh, so anywhere in the woods while we're racing dirt bikes, if you hear somebody stall, you're going to hear the guys yell, that's embarrassing because we're just, it's just a thing that we do. And, and I thought about it in our life too. There's so many times that we, God has called us to make the shift. God's called us to make the change and we hesitate and we fumble and we stumble with it and we stall, don't we? And I'm not here to say, oh, you're embarrassing, that's embarrassing, but I'm, but I'm telling you, many times we crash that way because we're unwilling to change. And God has called us to be in a people who are willing to change, make that mind shift so we can be the way God's called us to. Amen? Yeah. Romans 12, 2 says it this way. It says, and do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed. That's that changing. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and what is acceptable, perf perfect will of God. What is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God? There's transformation in renewing. This doesn't come naturally is what the scripture is saying. We got to be constantly letting God do a work in our mind and in our hearts. We got to be letting him do his thing. Proverbs 23, 7 says this, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Our thoughts are what we become. The things that we're setting our mind on, the things that we're allowing to be in our minds is things that we begin to live out. It's a little bit kind of edgy for me to even say this, but it's like you can fast all you want. But if during that time of fasting, you're not letting God change your thought life, then that fasting isn't going to do anything. You can come to church all that you want and attend church and, and be here and be around all this kind of stuff. But if you're not allowing those atmospheres to change your thought life, that's why I appreciate a worship team like this. Don't you Amen. that take us out from just singing the same old songs, the same old way. But instead say, God, what are you saying here? How are you leading us? Why? Because it's helping us change our minds and get out of the mold so that we can hear what the spirit is saying. Are you with me? Because as he thinketh in his heart, so he is. So we got to be constantly setting our minds on what God would say. Your attitude is an outward expression of an inward feeling. Most of the time, the way that we act is based on, as that scripture said, what we think is in our heart and then we act. So I brought with you two points that, and I could have literally brought you a list of 300 ways that I believe that the enemy is messing with our minds in this hour that we live. But I just brought two of them today. But uh, there's so many ways that we can look at, hey, what is the enemy trying to do in my thought life? But I brought two of them for you real quick. The first one is this. We cannot have a concerned mindset over a confident mindset. We cannot be a people who are constantly living over-concerned about everything instead of walking in the confidence that God has called us to walk in. I believe that there is a thing called Worry Street, and some people live on Worry Street. They use words like this every time, and then this is going to happen. Or they say things like, it always, and then big extreme worry is to follow after that. I say, they never, you never. My business always. My kids are never gonna. This marriage will never be. And we're on worry street, speaking and thinking all of these things. Gas prices are this. And, and uh, if, if you're young, you say, oh, I'm never gonna get married. I'm never gonna find the right person. There's, and dating is complicated. And we got all of these worry street things, these overly concerned things instead of walking in the confidence that Christ paid for for us. Can I get amen? amen? 
God blessed us with an imagination. I wrote it down this way. God blessed us with an imagination. He created us with an imagination. The ability to have vision and see things and be creative. God is creative. He's created us creative. And the expression of creativity fills our souls. It's a great thing. But when we use it the wrong way, when we let our minds use it the wrong way, what we create with our imagination is fear and doom and gloom and destruction. And if we're not careful, if we're not setting our minds on the right things, we create the wrong things. But we don't have to walk with great concern. We can walk with great confidence. Remember a couple weeks ago, I talked about how Jesus said that he's with us always until the end of the age. I was talking to somebody this week, like, I'm so glad he threw the to the end of the age part on there. Because if it didn't have that part on there, we'd be living in this hour right now. I'd be like, I know he said he was with us, but I wonder if up until now, <laughs> you know, like, did he retire hanging up? Because his times are a little crazy. I'm glad he said to the end of the age. Good promise. But the word meta here is he's with us behind us. He's with us now alongside us, but he's also out in front working for us, yeah. working on our behalf. He's meta. He's God with us here, here and here. So how should we be walking? We should be walking in great confidence because God's with us all the way here, here, and here. That's what we sang about this morning. He won't. All we need is Jesus. You can have everything else. All we need is Jesus because he's with us here, here, and here, and he won't fail us. If I could go one step further, they'd never ask me to sing. But if they asked me to sing, I would add on to that song and I would say he actually can't even fail us. Not only will he not, but he can't. And he would say, well, hold on. He's all powerful. I'm saying his promises. His Anyway, that's a whole other sermon. But he's with us, and we can be confident in that. If there's anybody who was able to live on Worry Street, it's the Apostle Paul. We're going to read from Apostle Paul here, but when, when he writes this, the Apostle Paul is in jail. He's currently in jail. Now, when you think of jail, you think of beds, toilets, you know, all the things that we have in modern jail. He's basically stuck in a hole in a rock and it's got animals. It's got nasty. It's got all this stuff involved in it. And some say about Paul that he was placed in a position where he was near the execution of other prisoners, meaning on a daily basis, he was hearing the screams, the tortures. Some people even believe where he was, was a place where one of the ways they used to execute people uh, was they would just simply throw them off of a high hill and he would hear the thud in the death. And so on the outside of where he's living could be on worry street, all this, ah, being concerned. I'm concerned. This is where he writes this scripture, Philippians one, six. He says, I'm being confident of this, that he who began a good work. Some of you are stuck in a spot right now where, you know, God started something, but you're wondering if he's going to finish it. God, I know that you took me from here to here, but I don't know if you can complete it. This is my word for you today. This is what you're sitting here for. I don't believe in coincidences. I don't believe in accidents. If you're here and you're hearing this, it's because God wants you to hear it today. You with me? So he says this. He said, I'm confident of this. He who began a good work will carry it onto the completion until the day of Christ. This is another verse saying he's with us even in this time at the end when it looks crazy. He's still with us completing the word complete here. Hear this in your spirit. You got to hear this. The word complete here is the same word complete that Jesus used when he said it's finished. He started it and God already finished it on the cross for you. It's already completed. We're just we're just meadow with God. He's here, here and here, but it's already been finished for you. Are you with me? 
And so God called you to that job and God called you to that marriage and God called you to that ministry and God called you to those kids and he started it and he's working it and he's also finished it. And so he began a good work and to complete it. Now, if the Jewish mind would have read this scripture, they would have automatically thought of Genesis because there would have been key words in here that they would have sought and they would have triggered for them, which would have been this good, complete or begun, complete and good. That scripture completes those three things. So their minds automatically would have went to completion. And when it went to completion and creation, they would have then known, oh, yeah, God of the cosmos who created the heavens and earth and completed it and called it good. That same God is working on my behalf today. So why would we walk with great concern in the hour that we're living when we have the God of the cosmos who finishes on our behalf? It's such a great place to be. We can walk in confidence. And that same Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. That same Paul said that it's through Christ that gives us the confidence and strength to accomplish what God's called us to. I wrote it down like this. We don't live according to the facts. Truth can change the facts. No, you don't understand. I got this doctor's report. I know that's the report in the facts. But the truth says that by his stripes, we can be healed. Well, I don't know. I'm always going to be alone or he left me. He walked out of me. She left me. This kind of, I'm always going to be late. No, God will never leave you or forsake you. And he's working a good thing to completion on your behalf. Uh, I feel like I'm so under attack. Well, the scripture says that you can walk confidently because no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Well, but I feel like I'm losing it all. It's all slipping away. Can't you see the hour that we're living? Well, scripture says that God shall supply all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Nothing's slipping away. That's why we turn our cares into prayer, our worry into worship. I wrote it down like this. This is why we set our vision on victory and we turn our concerns into confidence in Christ because he's already done it and he's already working. And the scripture says to the end of the age, we serve a God who starts good things and finishes. Number two mindset that we can't afford to have is you cannot have a scarcity mindset over an abundance mindset. A scarcity mindset is I'm never going to have enough. I need to hold back. We're going to lose. And so we got to hold on. I got to keep some for me because we're going to lose. And, and, and don't even think about just money. I want you to just think about your lifestyle. You can't have a scarcity mindset. You can't have a, oh, I'm going to hold back. I'm not going to have enough. The scarcity battlefield that goes on in your mind can really derail the purpose that God has for you. We think there's not enough. I'm not going to have enough. And so the enemy comes in and he whispers things like, look at your social circle. You don't got enough friends. You're not popular enough. You're not, you're not good enough. You're not, nobody likes you. And it comes in and starts whispering about your friendship circles. And so the scarcity mindset sets in or in our money. Oh, we don't have enough money. And so he comes in and he whispers and you better hold back and you better keep to yourself. Look at the changes. Look how much more groceries cost. And I just been telling you guys for years, SpaghettiOs and meatballs, you'll be good. Just stay on it. They're cheap. Uh, it's like 80% veg- vegetable servings on there. Uh, <laughs> But with scarcity mindset, oh, and then we start thinking, you you watch a show, like, oh, I watched The Bachelorette. Oh, my God, I watched that. And how come he doesn't love me as much as they love each other on Bachelor? He doesn't give me a rose after every date we go on. (laughs) Scarcity mindset is like we see our friends. Look how they love each other. Do we love each other? And the enemy's speaking and scarcity and and maybe doesn't love me and maybe doesn't love me. All these ways, and we begin to hoard it, we begin to keep things for ourselves. We have this scarcity mindset instead of this abundance mindset that God can provide way more than we can ask, think, or imagine. Um, 
our little puppies. Uh, I hope you don't ever get sick of hearing me talk about our puppies because he got about 14 years of me working them into every sermon. <laughs> I told my wife yesterday, uh, I said, I'm considering teaching them right here, my golden, my buddy, just lay right here every single Sunday. And all you weirdos were like, yeah, do it. Uh, maybe someday. But it's funny, we get, you know, they're eight weeks old, these cute little puppies. Oh, they're so cute, so perfect. And then you get out a bone or a little treat and you give it to them and then the devil comes out of them, you know. <laughs> Isn't it funny, like even in these, they, they go running off, they take these bones and they go find a, quarter, a corner and they keep it for themselves. They're just holding it. And some of us, if we're not careful, you're that same way. You'll miss your purpose. You'll miss your assignment. You'll miss the life that God has designed for you because you're hiding in the corner, making sure no one can see what you got. God gave you a blessing and you take it and you go running in the corner and you're not sharing with people. You're not serving with others. You're just hiding in the corner, making sure no one takes it from you. Are you with me? I'm almost done. Well, I wrote down a couple different ways that you can view your life. A scarcity mindset says that I'll never have enough. An abundance mindset says there will always be more. A scarcity mindset competes to gain a victory. An abundance mindset collaborates to gain a victory. A scarcity mindset holds knowledge for themselves. An abundance mindset shares knowledge with others. A scarcity mindset is selfish towards other. An abundance mindset serves one another. A scarcity mindset is suspicious of others. An abundance mindset believes the best in others. A scarcity mindset fears being replaced, while an abundance mindset strives to build each other up. A scarcity mindset believes the pie is shrinking. An abundant mindset believes that the pie is growing, that God is always doing more and God is always blessing and adding. I'll close with this. Uh, the scripture says that it's better for us to give than it is to receive. The better way to live is to be a people who are givers. The reason that is, is because closed-fisted, stingy people are actually missing their blessing. When you're closed-fisted, no, this is mine, this is mine, I got this, this is mine. You cannot then take hold of what God has for you. But the open-handed givers, giving and receiving, as you give, God can then place, give and receive. That's God's design. We're like a, we're like a recycling machine of God's blessing. He gives and we give back out and we live open-handedly. That's always been God's design. Because why? Because we serve the God who's the God of more than enough. The name of our God is El Shaddai, the God of more than enough, the God who can provide. Psalm 23, one says this, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. One translation says, I lack nothing. I don't need a scarcity mindset. Why? Because I serve a God who's the God of abundance. There's more than enough. And it's actually good that I give because then receive this whole thing works better that way. You think about all the messages that God tries to get us to recognize in scripture, even the miracle, as we saw in the blessed life series, the miracle of the, the fish and the loaves. What is God saying? Not only can I meet your need, but I'm the God of leftovers, yeah. abundance. You don't got to walk around worrying with scarcity and what's going to, no, no, he's the God of abundance. And that's more than just money. I'm talking about time and relationship and care and love for one another. We can't be scarcity to one another. We saw it with the Israelites as they are walking into the promised land and God is leading them, there was times where they got this scarcity mindset. They thought, oh, we better figure this out on our own and we better do some things by our own hand. And, and they got worried about, are we going to die out here? Is, are we left out here in the scarcity mindset? And God had to continue to show up and show them, no, I'm with you. I'm leading you. I'm providing for you. And he would send them manna. You remember, he would send them manna. So they would come out. They would have loaves from heaven. 
But the one thing about them was, don't you hoard those. Don't hold those in your hand. Don't keep those to yourself. You take what you need for the day and then don't hold them. Well, of course, just like us, they had scarcity mindsets and they held it for themselves. And what happened? It's spoiled in their hands. And I'm here to tell you, there's going to be blessings that God gives you. And if you hoard them, they will spoil in your hands. We need to be an abundant, giving, blessing, believing the best of each other people so that God can continue to lead us. How do we do it? How do we do this? How do we stay people with our minds renewed, our minds of faith? Well, Paul gives us another tip here. He says in Philippians 4, 4, that we got to be a people who rejoice in the Lord on Sundays. And then we come back next Sunday and do it again. No, he said, I rejoice in the Lord always. And then he says, and again, I say rejoice. The meaning here is actually to reignite joy because there's times where joy gets lost. There's times where our mindset gets dented and bruised. And we say, hold on a second. I need to reignite this thing. I need to relight this thing in my life because I got to rejoice and rejoice because my mindset is so, so important. Uh, They say that over 90% of the parables, okay? And it takes time. We got to reignite. We got to keep our minds set on Christ while we're believing. Over 90% of the parables are agricultural parables, meaning they were speaking to people who would, you know, of course, work land and farmers and different things like that, 90%. Now, much of that was because that's what those people did in that time. So that's what they understood. But another reason why many scholars believe it was agricultural conversation is because so many of those analogies point back to this key truth of how God works, which is this seed time and harvest seed time. And then during the process, you're renewing your mind. You're keeping your mind fixed on God. You're trusting him. You know that he's working on your behalf. He'll never leave you or forsake you harvest. But in America, we love the light switch thing. So we expect God to be a flip of a switch for us. And when that doesn't happen, then our minds start going to the negative because remember what percent of our negative and God is saying, reignite, reignite your joy, reignite, set your mind on me and trust me. That's why the word says this, and I'm done. That's why the scripture says he will keep in perfect peace those who have good church attendance. (laughs) He will keep perfect peace. He will keep those in perfect peace who know the Joyce Meyer Bible study. No, no, no. He will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are set on him. We can make it through all this unshakable, but we got to have our minds set on God, the author and the finisher of our faith. Can I get an amen? All right, let me pray for you. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for the way that you love us and lead us. Uh, Lord, we ask that you help us live this out. Lord, we don't want to just be hearers, but God, we want to be people who do set our minds on you. Lord, I thank you that we can be a people who renew our minds in you. We can reignite um, our joy. Uh, Lord, but also just our confidence. We don't have to walk um, cautiously or concerned or in fear. Uh, We can be confident in all that you've done for us on the cross. And Lord, I thank you that we want to live and be a people who are abundant livers, not scarcity livers. I thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen.